Välkommen till Freuds Toolbox, skolans inspirationspodd med fokus på känslor, relationer, lärande och ledarskap. Tillsammans med Kenneth Freud får du inspireras av och lära av nationellt och internationellt ledande experter på evidensbaserat lärande och ledarskap. Today we will talk about our schools as organizations and also as about leadership, all types of leadership in schools. And we will talk to a person today that we can learn a lot from and how we shall benefit and use it in, in our school organizations. So I will say welcome to Lee Bollman. Why, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. And I, I would like to compare it for me. As I'm a principal, that's what I do normally. And uh, in my school and in many, many schools in Sweden, we start using an, a strategy that is called universal design for learning. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, you would have to explain a little more what that yeah, means. Uh, universal design, it's uh, sort of... it. Uh, it focuses on the diversity among students that they are different and you have to treat them differently and they they mm -hmm. they understand things differently it's like okay. having a lot of lenses or frames to to look at your class you you can't right. okay there are no just one strategy one teacher strategy that won't work you need to mm -hmm. do it different ways so okay it's give, giving the students different options of uh, engaging of learning and okay. so on yeah okay Thank uh, you. And and what I like uh, about that, together with your your strategy, if you can call it a strategy, reframing organizations, what we will talk about today, it's it's like alike for, for me. Uh, the book that you're written many books, but the book reframing organizations, it's uh, it's like uh, universal design for leading instead of universal design for learning, or it could be lear <laughs> learning as well. But but it's right. uh, it's like. Uh, same type of approach and i like it because it's easier as a principle it's, it's easier to sort of have one way of working one not a method but a way of looking at things if i mean mm -hmm. if you have a toolbox full of tools and you don't know what tool to use it's it's very difficult you, you need mm -hmm. sort of so to understand your world and that's what's so interesting to talk about uh, your knowledge your expertise thank uh, you Yeah, but could you just uh, explain shortly what you mean in reframing organizations? Organizations, what does that mean? Uh, it relates to what you were just saying. If you think about a toolbox, if you think about uh, conceptual tools, uh, uh, tools that are ideas that you carry in your head, uh, as you were saying, it if you don't know how to use a tool, uh, it's not as useful to you. If you only have one tool, uh, you'll be able to perform a, a very limited number of tasks. If you have more tools, uh, you're more flexible. You can be more versatile. You're likely to be able to uh, handle a larger number of tasks. 
And the reframing ideas, which Terry Deal and I developed uh, more than a few years ago, um, basically uh, say that there are at least four ways to think about what's going on in any group or social system or organization, a school, you name it. Um, and one focuses on the structure, how how the how things are arranged, the the structure like in schools, typically classrooms are a key part of the structure. Schools typically have teachers and a principal and then some auxiliary staff. That's all part of the structural element. So that's one piece of what's going on. And understanding that is often uh, vital um, because structure uh, tends to determine uh, the incentives that people are aware of. It tends to determine the information that they get. It tends to determine the problems that they encounter. And mm -hmm. so uh, the way in which it does that may work well or may not work very well at all, but understanding that is important. So there's the structure. That's that's one piece of what's going. A second piece, which is you know vital in schools, is the people. Uh, you've got principals, teachers, students, and uh, what we call the human resource frame or the people perspective basically focuses on how well do the circumstances in a school line up with the needs and capabilities of the people? Uh, does the school find ways to empower people to do what they want to do, to do what they do well, uh, or does it get in their way and does it frustrate them and do they wind up feeling uh, frustrated, annoyed, um, burning out because uh, this place doesn't work well for me. So that's yeah. the people perspective. Yeah. I would say uh, in, in Swedish schools, my experience is that these two perspectives, uh, principals work quite a lot with. Some, some principals try to sort of organize for success. And uh, of course, that doesn't work all the time to some extent. And then they perhaps add and focus a lot of relations and your human resource perspective or parts of it, maybe not the whole of it. Because right. I think quite often you think that uh, this perspective or frame is more about uh, building relations and help with professional development. Uh, when I'm reading right. your book, you you have a much larger dimension that sort of it it's for... Uh, how how the school can be good for the person. It, yes, it is. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it includes the things you mentioned. It, it you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. personal relationships are vital. When relationships work well, uh, organizations tend to work. Schools tend to work well. Yeah. And probably, if uh, if you've been around to a number of different schools, you probably, or even if you've been in one school for a long time, yeah. uh, on the one hand, you've seen times when relationships really went bad. Sometimes between teachers, sometimes between teacher, teacher and principal, sometimes between parents uh, and teachers, and those can be very disruptive, very uh, messy. So relationships absolutely matter training absolutely yeah. matters if if uh if if in sweden you're asking teachers to in in effect individualize what they do to understand each student and that student's unique needs that's a more complex thing that you're asking teachers to be able to do 
relatively mm-hmm. few people would know how to do that just automatically just because you know they grew up knowing how to do that they're gonna they're gonna need training need training exactly. in, in order to be able to have the right both the right ideas to, to understand those kids and and to have strategies for uh, responding to differences so those are all important and then there's a larger question of, of as a principal what are the conditions that I create uh, for my teachers, how that how do they understand what I'm doing, and how do they feel about the way? Uh, do they see me as helping them work better, or do they see me as a nuisance uh, and wish I'd go away? Uh, and th- those all are part of what's going on in that perspective. Yeah, and then the third perspective, uh, which is the political one, and you can tell me about Sweden. I can tell you more about the U.S. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back uh, oh, about 30 years. I used to, a colleague of mine, I, I used to do a, uh, every once a year, we do a one-week workshop for uh, school superintendents in the state of Minnesota. And one of the things, this goes back to really around the early, late 80s, early 90s. And one of the things that we were seeing there was that their jobs were becoming much more political than they had been in the past. And many of the superintendents were just totally at sea. They had no idea how to deal with that because as they'd grown up, as they'd learned what they thought they were supposed to be doing, they were instructional leaders. They were the people who understand, who understood what the district's needed and what the broadly what the students needed and say put the right policies in place and so on Uh, but part of what was happening was that uh, the political dynamics around schools were becoming much more visible Uh, an earlier era in which everybody sort of respected the superintendent figure the superintendent must know what usually he there were usually men uh, in the u.s Uh, that's changed a lot since then but uh, uh, you know, we respect the superintendent. We'll just, if, if the superintendent says this is the right thing, okay, must be the right thing. Let's do it. That was changing. And, and there was more and more conflict. And so partly this is a function of an increasing diversity in political diversity, a range of views, uh, different people coming making uh, different demands on the school, different groups yeah. saying, you're not responding to what we need. You may be responding to what they need, but you're not responding to what we need. And so the 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 third perspective that we think is vital is the political yeah. perspective, which basically says that a school is a coalition of different groups. And each of those groups has its own views of the world. It has its own interests. It has its own resources. Uh, and each is jockeying, in effect, to get what it wants, to get what it cares about. Uh, all of those different groups have some reason. They have some interests in common. Uh, parents want the school because they want someplace to send their kids. Yeah. Teachers want the school because they want to teach and it's their yeah. profession and so on. Everybody's got a reason to be there. Uh, but they're, And sometimes their interests will align and it's, like, it's much easier when they do. Yeah. But when they don't, you get conflict. And as you get conflict, then power becomes a key resource. Who has what Mm -hmm. kind of power? Who's able power in this case, meaning simply Mm -hmm. the ability to make things happen. If you want something Mm -hmm. to happen and you can get it to happen, you have power. You want something to happen and you cannot get it to happen. You don't have power. Uh, Having power is a good thing for a principal, even though 
if you ask people, do you want power? They say, who, oh, who, me? No, I don't want power because <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like a bad thing. And yet it's a vital thing for leaders. Yeah, you need it sometimes. If you don't so. have power, you can't lead. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the third part. So we've got the structure of the people, the politics, yeah. and finally, uh, finally the uh, the symbolic or the cultural yeah. uh, perspective. Um, if you go back before 1980, nobody talked about organization culture. It was not a concept yeah. that really existed. It wasn't part of the conversation. Uh, now everybody talks about culture, and. <clears throat> Because there's this uh, d this understanding, and in fact, Terry Deal and Alan Kennedy wrote one of the wrote the first book on corporate culture, which appeared in mm -hmm. 1982, um, and argued in effect that part of what matters in organizations is what's the culture. The culture is uh, at its simplest. It's how we do things around here. It's what do we believe? What do mm -hmm. we? What are the values that we care about? What are the ways of doing things that we've gradually evolved over time and, and that we believe are, are effective? All those are part of the culture. And so part of what the uh, symbolic frame says is that for leaders, uh, an important part of your task is to understand the, the cultural history of your particular school and understand how well that culture either supports where you're trying to go or gets in the way of what you're trying to do and therefore and what if anything we need to do to move our culture in a good direction so that's basically the reframing uh the four frames that we talk about in our book yeah in the political frame don't you think my experience is that uh, within a school it is as much of that i think when you come new as a principal or a new as a director in any organization quite often you try to do changes pretty quick and then you're sort of you don't know your political terrain uh, uh, i don't know yes, if you experience that as a common i think among principals it's a, like a common i think a mistake that you too quickly before you know what is happening uh, yeah, around you well there's an interesting question there are, there has been uh, it's an old debate there's no conversation around what do you do when you're a new leader yeah. And uh, and one view is you strike while the iron is hot. That idea says, well, you know, there's a little bit of a honeymoon period. Uh, yeah. You have some freedom when you first get there that you won't have going down. That's but, but, one side of the argument. Yeah. The other side of the argument is, yeah, but you don't know what's going on. You don't yeah. know enough. You don't have the relationship and you may not have the clout. Uh, Estella Benson did a study about 40 years ago. It was college presidents, but I think yeah. the, uh, the results are, are similar for what you'd find for school principals. Yeah. And what she found was that um, one of the key things that happened very early in a new college presidency was the faculty decided either this person is with us or they're not with us. Yeah. Uh, this person understands us and basically is on our side. That yeah. that tended to lead to a successful presidency. Yeah. Uh, but if the faculty decided this person is not yeah. with us, is not yeah, on must. our side, yeah. uh, they became oppositional. Yeah. And if you're a principal and you have oppositional faculty, that's yeah. a really tough job because yeah. typically, I don't know about your situation, Sweden. Yeah. Typically, you can't fire them. You, you can't just say you're out. You're all out. No, of no, it's you, you have the team that you got. You need to work with them. You, you, you inherit that team. Yeah. And if they're not on your side, if they think you're going in the wrong direction, yeah. then yeah. they can just fight you, maybe not overtly. Often yeah. it's much more yeah. 
covert that's but if you look at the frames couldn't you as a new principal director start focus sort of the human resource perspective and get to learn the people quick and support them where they are because part of the question part of the question is what are you coming into what's the situation here is this thing going really well is this a strong faculty if that's a strong faculty and you try to change everything right away you'll get killed yeah Uh, Yeah, they they are not going to put up with it on the other hand if you're coming into a place which is in deep disarray a yeah. very troubled school yeah. you know and you need I, to I know something you need to do something you're probably yeah. going to have to be tougher you may have yeah. to become more authoritative yeah. to yeah. uh because in effect if if the place is uh depressed and uh out of control and yeah. nothing is really working very well uh which often means then you, then you don't have a strong faculty you have a faculty that is itself in disarray yeah. uh so part of you know, as a new principal, part of the t- question is, yeah, you're what, supposed am I, to change what am I entering here? Yeah. Who's my faculty? What's the circumstance that yeah. this school is in? And what does it need? Uh, and can I bring what it needs? Yeah. But if you come to a sort of a well-functioning school, it would still feel like sort of playing dark to blindfolded or something. Just go on and do things, things without knowing. Right, because uh, yeah. in, in a well-functioning school, um, it is often the case that everybody thinks there is some change needed, but t- yeah. almost nobody thinks that they're the ones who need to change. <laughs> no, um, that's true. Typically, what they will think is, what I want is a leader who's going to help me do better, whatever it is. I, I like yeah. what I'm doing, and I think what I'm doing is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and I want a leader who's going to help me keep doing it. Uh, in a school that's not working well the teachers may feel the same way that you know what i'm doing is right the young trouble is it's not working if it's not working that's a that's a different challenge for a principal yeah true Uh, i was a little curious i read your book uh, last week Uh, this last uh, version but uh, i read it that's a a lot of post-it notes (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Things that I find really interesting, I always put a okay. post-it. I, I wouldn't uh, like to open it because I use a lot of colors <laughs> every time. <laughs> right. So okay, my way of looking at it. Uh, but it's a chapter that I haven't reflected about before so much. That I like a lot, it's about reframing ethic, ethics. Uh-huh. You're talking about organizational ethic and leadership contribution. That I find really, really interesting. Can you, can you right. comment on, on that one, reframing ethics? Right. Uh, when we first wrote the book, we didn't have that chapter there. And and partly it was feedback from readers saying you really need to do something about that. And so the question we asked ourselves is, well, do the frames themselves have some implications for ethics? And yeah. the uh, as we thought about it, what we said to ourselves was, well, we, yeah, we think the answer is yes. And that uh, that the the ethical implication of the structural frame is uh, excellence, that yeah. whatever you're doing, do it as well as you possibly can. And that so yeah. part of what teachers uh, and principals can stand for is let's do this as well as we can and uh, let's never uh, let up on looking for ways to do better what we're trying. Because teaching education is... Uh, there was once a book published about education called The Uncertain Profession. 
it's inherently an uncertain perfection. Nobody knows uh, 100% for sure what's going to work to enable this particular child to learn the things that we think this child needs. And, and, and it can be very, very frustrating at times when you feel like, I we're trying, we're trying, and yet somehow uh, what we're trying isn't right working. So you always want to do better. Uh, the, the human resource, the people perspective, we think the ethical implication is caring or love, uh, that, that caring about, you know, people, if, if I work for you, if you're my principal, one of the things I'm reading, trying to interpret is, do you care about me? Do you, are, do you really know me? Do you have some yeah. sense of who I am and what's important to me? And do you care about that? Are you really ultimately uh, trying to support me as a person, as a human being? And I'm going to be much happier with you if I feel that you do care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, the political perspective, um, because the political sp- perspective focuses on focuses in on the idea of scarce resources, that in schools as everywhere else, you never have all the resources you wish you had. You may not have as much staff as you wish you had. You may not have mm-hmm. uh, enough money to buy certain things you'd love to be able to buy. There's always scarce resources. Uh, and because there are always scarce resources, people are going to be at, at least in a conversation about how to allocate, uh, if not in a negotiation or a war, yeah. uh, about yeah. how True. how do we... Uh, make um, these kinds of decisions. And so we think the ethical question there is justice. What's fair? What's really just as we try to decide how much uh, do we give to this group and how much do we give to that group? Uh, I always remember one of my students years ago wrote a paper. She taught, uh, she was a teacher in the um, uh, school in uh, Honolulu where Barack Obama was once a student. And she wrote a paper about this debate that uh, really tore the school apart. And it was a question about they're going to make a big capital expense. The only trouble was there was disagreement over whether a performing arts center or a really big exhibition swimming pool. Um, There were more swimming parents on the board than there were arts parents on the board. And they went with the swimming pool, even though most of the teachers thought that's that's crazy. We want we want the arts center. Well, if you only have so much money, uh, you know, it's really hard to split the difference between a pool and and an arts center. And those kinds of uh, decisions do uh, come up in school in schools fairly regularly. And you have to somehow allocate it. And so the, the from the leadership point of view, the question is, are we always trying to be as just as we can um and then from a um symbolic from a cultural uh perspective there's uh there's more than uh one way in which you can think about it but uh at least one central value is the idea of faith do we have something that we really believe in here is there something that we're really committed to one of the things you see over and over again is that when Groups have strong faith in their mission, uh, in what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do. Uh, they tend to perform very well. Yeah. When that faith fails, uh, it's much, much more 
difficult in one of the things that I'm sure is very visible in Sweden, the current conflict in Ukraine. Yeah. One of the things that seems to benefit the Ukrainian side is that their people are much more intensely committed. They yeah. absolutely have faith in what they're doing. A lot of the uh, Russian soldiers who've been mobilized aren't there because they want to be. They're there because they were forced to be. Yeah. And so that lack of of uh, real belief in what yeah. what we're doing uh, makes a makes a huge difference. So I think uh, this about faith and belief uh, connected to school research also. I mean, when John Hattie did his uh, big meta-analysis, the strongest impact factor on, on study outcomes was collective teacher efficacy. Uh-huh. Isn't that, uh, I think that is very connected to, to this, that uh, teachers believe in something together and right, change right. things. And yeah. when they believe in something, if if you believe you can do it, yeah. there's a better chance you'll be able to do it. If you don't yeah. think you can do it, you'll probably be right about that. You yeah. won't. <laughs> uh, one thing I was wondering about, through these frames, you sort of get, uh, you get, a chance to to understand your organization and uh, what is happening and you can then choose tools what you should do one thing that almost every school expert writes and says is that relations is really important that is part of the human resource perspective then right. frame and that uh, trust is important within an organization uh, but not so many people write about how to how to to get trust into your organization and how to build good positive relations. Do you have any advice on, on the how? The what on is the, quite clear, I think, but how is sometimes difficult to know. Uh, right. Yeah, It. no, I absolutely agree that one of the key questions that uh, you can ask teachers about the principle or any, if any yeah. set of workers uh, about their boss is do I trust this person? How much yeah. how much confidence uh, do I have in this particular person? And I think ultimately it comes down to, I think one of the core uh, qualities that makes or breaks leadership is integrity. Yeah. Uh, to what extent as a leader, uh, do I tell the truth or tell you when I can't tell the truth? Um, the uh, there are Sometimes there are things I, I can't tell you, but at least I can be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, so part of it is, uh, do you think that what I say is true? A second part is if I promise something, uh, do I deliver? Uh, well, I probably won't always be able to deliver. Sometimes I'll fail, but at least, uh, did I really do my best to try to, uh, come make good on the promises, uh, that I made. And, if I feel about you, yeah, I think you're telling me the truth. And yes, I think you really try to do what you said you'll do. Yeah. Uh, then I'm, I'm much more likely to trust you. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's much harder to build trust than it is to destroy it. Uh, it only takes one mistake. Sometimes even it's not that you made a mistake. It's just that people perceive that you yeah. uh, made a, made a mistake Part of the um, complexity of being a school principal. How many teachers do you have in your school? Uh, my part, we have a grade seven to nine, around forty, and I have. Uh, we are in the same building with the uh, grade zero to six, so together we are around seventy 
that we are two principals sort of okay. coaching. All right. Uh, so say you have 40 teachers. Yeah. All right. Uh, are they all alike? <laughs> no. They no, they're not. They're and that, that is they're... the beauty of it because it, it drives development as long as we can keep the team working together, I think. That's part of the beauty of it. It's also yeah. part of the complexity because yeah. they think differently. They see things differently. And so yeah. any given thing that you do is likely to be seen differently by some teachers as compared to uh, yeah. other teachers. Yeah. Uh, and so some teachers may say, oh, yeah, he did his best. Uh, and someone else could say, no, I think he could have tried harder. Um, and so being aware of uh, so. So part of this is all about being in touch with uh, how you're seen by your teachers. Some mm. principals are good at that. They're, they yeah. have a pretty strong se sense about how people see them. Uh, others are just blind as a bat. Uh, they have yeah. they have they have really uh, usually inflated views they view they see they think they are perceived in much more positive ways than they actually are uh mm -hmm. and th th and those principles will tend to struggle uh, there's a s fair amount of research i think it's not as coherent as it could be but basically that suggests that um for almost any kind of management job one of the key derailers is lack of self-awareness if you yeah. don't know how you're seen, uh, then it is much more likely that you'll make mistakes because the things that you do that you think are working, in fact, are not working for your audience. And it's like uh, for uh, actors on a play, if it's not working for the audience, uh, it ain't working. And if you're the leader of a school, if it's not working for your constituents, it's not working for you. Uh but I guess for, for one person, it's quite difficult to be really good at all four frames. Normally, I think you're not. So so what's your advice to a principal to be able to sort of uh, capture all the frames? In a good uh, well, way? one is self-knowledge. Uh, if, yeah. if I'm very good on some things and not on others, knowing that is a good start. Uh, secondly, uh, if there's something I need that I'm not very good at, uh, one, there's at least two things I can do. One is I can try to get better at it. Yeah, and true. as with almost anything, if you practice, it's likely that you'll get better. The other is, uh, can I have someone close to me who is better at it than I am? Yeah. Uh, some years ago, I, I used to be, I was the, um, what we called the educational chair for a, an executive program. Uh, that it was a four-week program once every year met in the summer and uh, the uh, and we had a um, program director I was responsible for curriculum and faculty and our program director handled the management stuff and so she and I her name was uh, Sharon so Sharon and I would have these meetings and uh, Sharon would arrive uh, with her uh, notepad and her pencil and, a, and an agenda and I would arrive with some vague thoughts uh, and uh, as we and we would go through Sharon's agenda, and every after each agenda item, she would write down what we'd agreed on. Um, I mostly would try to keep it in my head. Uh, sometimes I would write things on scraps of paper, which I would then put in a pocket. Sometimes I would lose the scrap of paper. Sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and uh, eventually, we had a confrontation when Sharon came to me and said that she thought I was trying to undermine her. And I said, okay, undermine you. I desperately need you. If I didn't have you, I don't know what I'd do. 
Um, but uh, she thought I was undermining because I I didn't always come. I didn't always follow through on some of the things we agreed to, which was very important learning for me that I needed to get yeah. better at that. But what I what I know mm -hmm. is that I, I'm not by habitually good on structural stuff. It's not mm -hmm. what I love doing. So then you um, were really complementary to each other then. Yeah. So Sharon yeah. provided yeah. what I really needed. But yeah. then on the other hand, uh, when I teach a course, yeah. um, typically I've got to come up with the syllabus myself and my syllabi tend to be fairly long and complex. And I have to do all that. And I realize there here I really have to be planful and clear and make sure I dot all the I's. And and, yeah. and I do it because I, I have to do it so, so yeah. that – where I need to do it myself, I've gotten better at it. And I think people can get better at the things uh, that they don't know as well or that they haven't previously explored. Uh, but also, principals often will have uh, office staff yeah. who can do for them some of the things that they either don't have time to do or maybe they're, they're not, not so as good, good at. at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So your advice to a principal would be to to have like a leadership team of some sort or some key persons at least. A leadership team yeah. often is great yeah. because yeah. it's it's like with a jazz band. Uh, yeah. You know, you got three or four or five people playing different instruments, yeah. and all of them yeah. add something to what's going on. Same thing with a school leadership team. Different yeah. uh, people can perform uh, different functions mm -hmm. you know in many american schools there's an assistant principal who's the discipline person mm -hmm. um and uh, and the principal is saved from having to deal with each child who represents some kind of behavior issue because you got you've got your your discipline guy often a guy uh that no kid wants to meet if if they can help it because they know this is going to not be a really fun uh encounter uh, but if you have somebody in that job who's good at it, uh, that will be enormously helpful and it'll save the principal some uh, angst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you be able to give advice to teachers as well? Because when I'm thinking about it, it's as important for teachers as for principals to understand the organization you are within. And you have, I mean, they are part of the bigger picture, the whole school, but they also have their classroom that is like a, a smaller organization within the organizations, they, they are sort of two ways, I think. I, I think, yes, I think that's very important. And um, unfortunately, teachers in their teacher preparation uh, don't always get any kind of organizational learning. That That's mm. not part of uh, what teachers often encounter, which I wish they did. I think if they knew more about organizations, it would be helpful. One of the uh, big issues for teachers, at least in many American schools and and maybe in Sweden as well, is that they they can become too isolated. Uh, they, you know, in a to a large degree, a teacher is sort of the captain of a ship in their classroom. That it they own it. Uh, yeah. They're they've got their own small business here that they're in in charge of, and that's often where they're happiest and feel most comfortable. Uh, but there are things going on around them that really matter in terms yeah, of what's sure. going to happen, what's going to go on in their classroom. And one of the things uh, principals can help on this uh, that I think is enormously helpful is for teachers to uh, connect each other uh, yeah. and to have ways of having conversations 
about not just what's going on in your room and my room, which is important and often teacher yeah, conversation, like new teachers often benefit enormously from having some veteran who can, yeah. oh yeah, I've had that problem. Here's here's a way to think about it. Uh, but also to talk about not just the, the classroom issues, but the school issues, what's going on in this school and what can we do uh, collectively yeah. to yeah. help move the school in a good direction. Yeah, I totally agree on that. We try to work with like small dialogue or discussion groups quite frequently, mm-hmm. sometimes within a subject, sometimes uh, crossover groups for the whole school. I think that right. that feels beneficial and good. Oh, I think those are good things. It's Sometimes yeah. it's a problem uh, because it's hard to find the time, yeah, uh, exactly. often partly yeah. because of the rules under which teachers work. Yeah. Uh, there, there's only so much time available, so it's very difficult. Um, but when you can uh, create those opportunities, or if teachers can create them themselves, um, yeah. even if it's just ch- chatting over lunch, uh, it can be very beneficial. Yeah. Now, just thinking out loud, maybe schools, giving myself advice now, maybe should try to sort of teach our staff about the frames as well. I know it's obvious for me as a principal, I need them, but I think it would be really beneficial for the whole school if all staff members understood sort of the reality. I think that's right. I I suspect it's most likely to work if you can do it um, a little bit at a time and in response to things that are going on at the time. Over a long time and connect them to the frames and explain different perspectives. If there's a particular set of events that's going on in your school that has political implications, that may be an opportunity to talk a little bit about the how... Uh, uh, politics I often focus on because um, it's not that people don't sort of understand politics it's just that they hate it Um, (laughs) by and large around the world uh, people hate politicians Uh, nobody wants their daughter to marry a politician Um, and uh, the uh, and and politics is viewed as as a very dirty business and so often what happens is many people will avoid getting involved which tends to leave the field wide open to the people who are less squeamish who uh, who don't have those kinds of uh, hesitations they're happy to get involved in politics uh and that often means that it's the wrong it's it's the bad actors uh who come to dominate the uh, the yeah. political scene uh, so whereas if other people got mobilized they could push things in a different direction yeah interesting uh do you have any final advice i have learned a lot from this and a really good advice to school to principals and to teachers if you would give advice to one of these group to principals to parents right well one of the uh, one of the implications i think is the value of uh, how often do you uh, are you able to have conversations with fellow principals uh, every week we have uh, in in my little municipality we meet one afternoon every week uh-huh so that's and, quite, and, quite and what, do you do, what do you do in those meetings uh, we have some exchange of information but for instance now we are talking every second week we have uh, part of the afternoon we talk together about leadership we have mutual professional development in okay. leadership Okay, yeah. that I think is a great thing. I, I think that that kind of because uh, the principal, it's a fairly lonely job. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, there's only one of you in the school. You may have some people who, you know, assistants and so on, but there's one principal um, and you are sort of central. You're the symbolic head. Uh, Everybody sees you. Uh, It's always uh, it's like in um, in college uh, units, uh, everybody refers to the dean. Often they won't. Yeah. They won't say Fred or Mary. They'll say the dean. And the same thing in schools. We'll say the principal without yeah. uh, using the person's name because mm-hmm. that person is so visible. But because you're, there's nobody else in the school who's got the same job, it's enormously helpful to engage. So I'm I'm delighted that you, you and other principals get together regularly and trying to make that those conversations as uh, productive as possible, I think is a great thing. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that feels good. I think the school law in Sweden is somewhat uh, hampering because you can only have one principal. Personally, I think it would be good if it was possible to have a, a shared responsibility. It could be two sort of at the top and divide different responsibilities. You can have assistant principals and give them tasks, but you're still responsible for everything. Because, True. Yeah, in Sweden, right. m- many principals, they don't last more than three years in the profession and then they quit. Uh, and th- yes. I think that says some something. You, you should sort of change oh, sort of abs- the conditions. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and you, have, you see similar things in the uh, U.S., um, school superintendents often don't last more than three years or so. Yeah. And particularly... Uh, if you're the school superintendent in in, in a city uh, mm. with a huge number of schools and all this complexity, you can't get anything done in three years. If if you change superintendents every three years, it's a recipe for nothing ever ever happening. So yeah, totally uh, so that ability to survive, and, and part of that goes to what kind of support do new principals get uh, the first time someone becomes a principal if they're lucky they'll go into a very favorable situation a school that's in very good shape a staff that's very supportive uh who welcomes the principal and helps helps but in many cases it's a lot harder than that it's not at all uh easy uh and you need help and the best place you can get that help is from other principals people who've uh, who've got a few years under their belts and have been through some of the, they've seen some ups, they've seen some downs, they've dealt with some of the uh, more difficult problems. Uh, that's just absolutely vital. And that if that kind of support isn't there, it just increases the likelihood that you won't survive more than three years. And you really, in order, schools do not turn on a dime. They just can't turn around in a very short period of no. time. So so it's really uh in order to really have an impact you really have to have a multi-year for time frame you're yeah, thinking about I totally agree. Yeah. think about where would i like to where would i like this school to be in five years um mm. but if i'm only going to be here three well you know that isn't going to be a very relevant question no true you know, personally i have a good situation because we are two schools in the same building so we are two principals and we are assistant to each other so I okay, a, so you really like, have this combination. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Right. But and but part of what uh really is vital for that one, that'll work well if the two of you work well. Yeah. Uh if your relationship uh doesn't work, uh then that'll be much tougher. Yeah. Yeah, it would be really difficult then. But I have a like a colleague that makes my job easy. 
that's that's a terrific yeah, yeah, so that's excellent. Thing, yeah. uh, thing to be. I, I know in my life over time, I've tried to collaborate with multiple people. In some cases, you know, like Terry Deal, he and I have been collaborating for 40 some years. Yeah. Um, but uh, in other cases, I just couldn't make it work. And, you know, we tried uh, it just uh, somehow we did not connect no. in a way that really uh, worked well. No. And then it's not worth it. You need to have. That's yeah, right. It's yeah. not going to. You, won't you go. want to have fun at work and be complimented with one and one will be three, not one and a half. Then exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. It was really great talking to you. I really, really well, appreciate that you well, contributed thank to you for, our schools in Sweden. Thank you very much for. I, re I really appreciate. It. It's been fun for me to have a chance to talk. I wish I knew more about schools in Sweden. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. Uh, We'll have uh, to try. invite you to come and present. Yeah, I, I, that's some, right. I have not. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah. my travel uh, program went to zero with uh, COVID, and I haven't. So I haven't been to Europe since then. Yeah. But eventually, uh, have to get back. Thanks yeah, a lot. Have a great day. Thank you. So long.